Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Friday, August 12th, 2022. I am John Podhortz, the editor of Commentary Magazine, and I'm here to announce that three months and one day from now, we will be gathering in New York City at a very nice hotel for the Commentary Magazine annual roast. I'm going to be talking to you about this for a while now. This is our annual fundraising event. I believe it is our 12th, uh, and I am excited to announce, I've announced it before, I will announce it anew here, that our roastee, person we will be teasing and making fun of and celebrating, is none other than Barry Weiss. We will have entertainment, we will have speakers, we will have all kinds of fun stuff, and a delicious dinner, and a cocktail hour, all of which um, is we do to provide money to do things like this podcast and keep us all employed. Um, many people, if you haven't been to our roasts, they are among the highlights of the year, uh, among like-minded people who do things like listen to this podcast. They are wildly successful. People really enjoy them. And Barry is obviously somebody that, uh, is a person who has uh, established herself at a very young age as a central political and cultural and journalistic figure in the United States. Some of us have known her since she was but a but a wee child uh, in college fighting the good fight against anti-Semitism at Columbia University and have uh, been charting her course with fascination, glee, and uh, jaw-dropping amazement through her career at the Wall Street Journal and then to the New York Times and her, of course, famous resignation from the New York Times and establishment of herself as an independent journalist with her podcast, Honestly, and her Substack Common Sense. Um, uh, this is going to be a great event. Sunday, November 13th. So go to buy tickets to commentary.org slash roast. That's www.commentary.org slash roast. We have individual tickets and we have tables. This is not a cheap night. This is we we're going at you hard for all the lucre that you have. This is how we keep our sustain ourselves and keep going. But we provide you with one hell of a great evening. So that's the commentary roast of Barry Weiss. For more information, go to www.commentary.org slash roast. There that night to greet all of you, meet you in person, and to sit at your table, if you're lucky enough to sit at their table, are my colleagues, executive editor Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. Media commentary columnist Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine. Hi, John. And associate editor and author of The Rise of the New Puritans, Noah Rothman. Hi, Noah. Hi, John. Uh, Merrick Garland, the attorney general, gave an unusual press conference yesterday. It wasn't really a press conference. It was just sort of a public statement in which he didn't take any questions. So I don't know why we're calling these things press conferences any longer when they're just people coming out, making a statement, and then going running back behind the uh, curtain. But of course, saying that he ordered the code red, he was the guy who uh, approved the search warrant or approved the application for the search warrant granted by a magistrate in South Florida of Mar-a-Lago, said he wouldn't uh, speak about the circumstances or reasons that 
the search warrant was uh, sought, uh, but that he was petitioning the court to release the contents of the search warrant, not the documents that caused him to approve the search warrant or the you know the pursuit of the search warrant. So not the fact pattern that supposedly would have given the judge reason to approve it um and that he would they were giving trump uh, the judge gave trump 24 hours to object to the release of this text and trump last night on his uh website true social said he would not object it's a hoax everything's a hoax and so presumably we will now see this document probably by the end of today friday uh anything jump out at you abe about garland's appearance um i mean it what struck me in the most general sense is that uh this felt to me as if uh he had sort of taken the the the, the temperature of the of the country and sort of realize that there is a narrative that's going bad on him and um, on the Justice Department and on the FBI, and they had to sort of get out there and try to shape it. Um, and um, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into this as well, but it, it's it has this feel of this um, concerted effort, this um, well-timed plan uh, this this came. Garland got out there and spoke, and then this story broke afterwards um, about uh, 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 people at the Justice Department who who said that among the things they were looking for at Mar-a-Lago were documents pertaining to um, nukes or 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 nuclear something. Uh, the story I read said it didn't even specify if it were it had to do with weapons or not. Um, so I think this is, this is, it all felt like, um, they were trying to get their hands around something that was, um, getting out of control, making them look bad. Uh, I thought, the, I thought what he said was fine. Uh, I, nothing objectionable in, in my opinion. Um, the rave reviews after, um, were shocking. It was like proved himself to be, you know, a man who, understands that that uh, the letter of the law is the backbone of the or society and all this you know fine good i mean the same people under a different president uh with uh, uh um law enforcement pursuing uh, other ends uh, might speak differently um but so we'll see i i i again i we're still kind of in the dark because he spoke in pretty broad terms just saying this was legitimate I stand by it. Trust me. I don't, I wouldn't, we wouldn't, we don't do these things. We don't take these things lightly. So, okay. Christine, I, I just want to go back to Monday night when this all happened, because there seems to be this idea broad in the land that Trump is the person who somehow turned this into a major event. And that is simply wrong. It was, <clears throat> MSNBC, CNN, liberals whose brains were set on fire by the raid. Trump released the word of the raid, right? That's how we found out about it. Although some local Florida website 
got the news first. Um, but um, it was people saying, okay, this is it. You know, Ellie Honig on, uh, on MSNBC saying, I would, if I were Trump, I would be telling my family, I'm looking at real jail time here. And of course, the one that I cited before, David Axelrod saying, there is no way that the Attorney General of the United States would do this, would go at the former king if they didn't have the goods and if it wasn't time for him, you know, basically to fry and that they had it, they dotted their I's, they crossed their T's, and this is now happening, right? And then the story started coming out that it was about improper storage of records and violations of the Presidential Records Act, an act, you can go read it online, that contains no criminal penalties whatsoever in the act. Well, 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 the president himself, Donald Trump, signed a law making it a felony in response to the Hillary Clinton thing. A law or an executive order? I, I thought, well, maybe it is an executive no, order. No, I think it's I an executive say. order. Okay. Maybe an executive but order. My point is that the original <laughs> Presidential Records Act has no teeth. There are, you know, if you mishandle, if, if you do something with the document that you have wrongly purloined or mishandled or something, then ancillary charges can take place. But this is a very weird law to stage a you know no not it wasn't a no knock raid but you know to stage okay so uh they got they better have it and they're gonna do it and it's sorry gonna so happen. just to clarify my point it had yeah. nothing to do with presidential records it's uh, trump signed a law is it's a congressionally approved act that is now law right. making it a felony to mishandle uh documents uh government documents related to the national archives but not the presidential records act okay anyway so Axelrod's like, there, they got it. And it's like, this is an unprecedented step. Wow. Oh, oh, okay. So now suddenly it's about records. They're like, really? It's about records? You could sort of see, like, you know, the enthusiasm start to drain until yesterday, after Garland's appearance, David Axelrod said, Garland's not doing this unless he's personally escorting Trump onto the gallows, said on Thursday, Garland is as measured a character as there is in public life. But that shouldn't be mistaken for lack of strength or fortitude. Today's extraordinary move and the resolve with which he presented it reflects that. What? No, it's very, it's a very straight, there are two things going on here, it strikes me. Um, the first is that there is a narrative here. If you've been, if we've been following this from the beginning, a counterintelligence officer signed the warrant, like that there was a or, or was participated in in the raid, um, or sorry, in the serving of the of the uh, warrant. So there there has always been a sort of intelligence issue at stake here that the public didn't know about, that people speculated about. Um, I'm very suspicious, as as Abe noted, of the timing of this Washington Post story that was filled with, you know, people obviously from the Justice Department babbling to the Post about how dangerous this is. And it might be true. I mean, nuclear nuclear secrets are not something we want unsecured in any way, shape or form, especially given, um, you know, a former president having them locked away in cardboard boxes in the basement. Although it strikes me that that like what would those 
papers look like? What, what were they worried he was going to sell them? You know, there's all there are all kinds of questions. If indeed these were, I mean, it's not like he had the nuclear football codes squirreled away. <laughs> so the danger issue, I think, just talking about it as being nuclear intelligence that sort of raises the stakes in terms of the narrative building. I think Abe's absolutely right about that. I'm suspicious of how that narrative unrolled and unfolded yesterday. But the second thing going on here which drives me absolutely nuts is, is the, the sort of elite um, uh, folks in charge now patting themselves on the back for doing such a great job when nothing's been done yet. Really, we're in the middle of this. And this, this need to sort of praise Garland. Look, I agree with Abe. He did fine. He walked out there. He said a few things. Nobody really knows anything more than that he was behind this. And, and I do like that he was trying to draw the heat away from the FBI and to try to get people to tamp down their, their fury at the FBI. But he also didn't address why people are furious at the FBI, why it is an organization, an institution that's lost its legitimacy. Not that that was the time to do that. But I worry, I mean, we saw this also, um, we were sending this around the text thread. This is what Fauci did when he was in charge of things. Everybody praised him to this guy. He is now walking around like the the inflated ego on this man. Now he's claiming people go to medical school under the Fauci effect because he has inspired them. I think it's really dangerous when civil servants, no matter how powerful they might be, and the AG is a very powerful man, when we start conflating them and the media starts talking about them as if they're heroes in a story that's being told. They are doing their job. They should be doing their job. They're, part of their job is keeping the public informed. So I'm glad that Garland finally got out there. It has not resolved any of the tensions the public has, particularly on the right, about the FBI and its practices. Uh, there, there was one more thing, by the way, that they were praising Garland for here, which which is a strange thing, thing because it didn't have to do with the sort of strict observance of protocol and, and whatnot. Um, there was this idea that, oh, he really he's boxed Trump in now because he's challenged uh, Trump to to not uh, permit the, the the release of the of the warrant. Let, let's see what Trump does. And, uh, and then, you know, as John said, Trump said, oh, OK, go, go for it. You know, so that, that were, there wasn't much of a, of a sort of showdown there. No, uh, I mentioned this earlier. Uh, this week, and uh, Mark Halpern alluded to it on Monday. Trump has this um, remarkable ability to turn the people who hate him uh, into um, facsimiles of him in terms of their uh, recklessness, the uh, ex extremes of their rhetoric in talking about him, and their... Um, kind of bizarre confidence that uh, they can just say or do anything and that their adoring publics are going to support them. So if we have on Monday the, you know, everybody from the Lincoln Project, you know, onward saying, you know, it's time to construct the gallows or get out the guillotine, we're now taping this Friday morning. Uh, there's no guillotine. Could be bad. Information could be very unpleasant about what it was that Trump was up to, though it seems more likely, given everything that we are sort of hearing, that he did something thoughtless or reckless or, you know, sort of like irresponsible but not, you know, with criminal intent or with the intent of, you know, didn't seem really plausible, though, again, we don't know yet. 
but um, they were goaded by their own desperate hunger to have a deus ex machina drop from the ceiling and deliver the country from Trump 2.0 to ignite this circling the wagons effect on the right <clears throat> that we have seen over the last four days that Trump, who was facing a more difficult political atmosphere, uh, the political atmosphere, again, maybe this is transitory, but has cleared up in his favor entirely because they came at him again. What do you make of that phenomenon? I think we might be working backwards from its effect to desert, to turn, uh, decipher its intentionality. Um, the effect ha leading to the cause rather than the other way around. Um, we don't know anything. As we speak here, we don't know anything. We don't have this warrant. We have these this report, this one uh, Washington Post report, which alleges something having to do with nuclear documents. Now, they overclassify a lot, so this could be a job posting. It could be uh, intelligence. It could be specs. I mean, it's not the sort of thing that anybody would read for fun, so I have no idea why they would keep it around. The Washington Post piece also notes that, quote, a person familiar with the inventory of the 15 boxes that were taken from Mar-a-Lago in January. The president had been negotiating over this uh, for some time, and they had surrendered some documents that were of relevance to government archives, um, indicated that signals intelligence material was included in them. That's classified. We don't know how highly classified, but um, why you would want to get that out of the hands of a guy who's a noted, proven, notorious counterintelligence um, OPSEC nightmare, just a guy who just cannot keep information close to the chest. Um, I mean, that just makes sense. The intentionality versus impact argument is one for a grand jury. And the Newsweek article suggested that this warrant was approved as a result of a grand jury, uh, not just a, a prosecutor. Yeah, but you can't say, you, honestly, it. we should not be citing Newsweek. Newsweek yeah, I understand. I don't know whether that's true or not. We don't know no anything true or We don't know anything. And I would not, I would, you know, already two details from the Newsweek story turned out not to be true. It did, yes, that's true. So it's worth, so, you know, yeah. who knows on that sort of thing. But who knows is the operative word here. The political impact of this seems to me the least interesting of developments yet to occur in the next 40, 24, 48 hours. Um, they're unknowable, first of all. And it, it's probably fallacious for us to work backwards from the idea that, well, there's a rally around the flag effect to... Uh, okay, we, there is probably some design here with a, a political intentionality behind it. I mean, that would be to, for the DOJ to set its reputation oh. on fire. Now, they're not above setting their reputation on fire, making mistakes, stepping on landmines. They've done that on a pretty regular basis. But, you know, past performance is not indicative of future results. I am not suggesting that the Department of Justice went at Trump just to go at Trump. I am saying that the world of liberal opinion uh, seized on pounced if you will <clears throat> on the warrant and trump's complaint about the warrant on truth social to say he's a dead man walking thus causing the right to say he's not a dead man walking you people stink it's now five six years of this where you go where you know you're throwing the resources of the federal government at Trump, you know, we're not, but we are not going to play along with you. In fact, we are going to say that, you know, 
given the Russia gate hoax and the and 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 the steel dossier and everything like that and the and the horrible FISA warrant pursuit of Carter Page, the mistreatment of George Papadopoulos and others, um, you 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 are not getting a pass and you're doing it again. You're just saying the way you did for four years, it's like, oh boy, here it comes. I was reminded of this moron, um, Adam Davidson at the New Yorker, whom I once had the misfortune of being on TV with, guy in like 2018 who wrote this talk of the town for the New Yorker. It's like, this is it. Trump is going down that, you know, he will not be president, you know, eight months from now. I can just feel it. He said. Like th this was something that was published in, you know, the, the most August weekly periodical in the United States. Adam Davidson could feel with his famous tentacular, you know, uh, sensory items that Trump this had the Rubicon of Trump was a dead man. So I'm not saying the justice department did this. I'm saying that the body of liberal opinion in the United States, which lives entirely in its own head and says that everybody on the right is a fascist who wants to overthrow democracy. They do not understand the nature of keeping your powder dry and not causing the blowback that happened here that is going to make more rather than less likely the thing that they fear most, which is somehow resurgent Trump really having a very a decent shot at taking the presidency back. Well, and there's also there's a weird ping ponging of the narrative on the left, I find. On the one hand, you're right. There's like, we've got him now. Yay. You know, we're going to see him, you know, perp walked out of Trump Tower or Mar-a-Lago. On the other hand, then you also get this. Well, this is just a regular sort of criminal investigation. This is how we do things. We're not a banana republic. It's totally normal, not recognizing, as as I think, John, you laid out very well uh, on Monday, not recognizing how unprecedented this is. This has never happened before. It's new territory. Yes, no one is above the law, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a weird sort of like there's no understanding. I, I feel like it's when we were having the, you know, blow up the filibuster debates in the Senate. It's like this will come back if, if this is the new standard. This is going to cause problems for Democratic elected officials just as much as it's right now bringing pressure on Donald Trump. And if that's what we agree as a country we want to do, then that's fine. That's that's the direction we're heading. But to not acknowledge at all. Um, again, I go back to the legitimacy issue of some of these institutions. The FBI right now is not considered a legitimate institution by many Americans, correctly or incorrectly. They do have some rebuilding of trust to do with the nation. And given the power that they exercise over private citizens, that needs to be happening. And so I think right now, part of that blowback and part of the calling anyone who who objects or is suspicious of the FBI, calling them a fascist isn't going to help. So, I, But I do find this weird narrative between, oh, it's just everyday ordinary justice that's being meted out, and you know we're finally going to get him enthusiasm doesn't quite comport. Well, the, the DOJ is responding to this as though it's an extraordinary moment. It wasn't MAGA folks saying the DOJ needs, or it wasn't the, the left saying the DOJ needs to release the warrant. They were saying Trump needs to release the warrant. DOJ has its prerogatives, and among its prerogatives is to speak through filings, speak through indictments, speak through warrants, not to speak through the uh, through the attorney general. The attorney general coming out and addressing this and making this warrant and its predicate publics, public is extraordinary and is a response to 
people like us who are saying the DOJ needs to come out and fill in the blanks because Donald Trump ha also has his prerogatives among them, probably not to release these documents. He could outflank the DOJ right now if he wanted to. He doesn't. Now he's saying, go ahead, release the documents. Good. Well, because why? First of all, I, I'm not sure I, I, I agree with you here. My my perspective is this was made necessary by the left's response, not by Trump's response. It was everybody on Monday night saying that, you know, Trump was about to serve jail time that led inexorably to Garland coming out and trying to lower the temperature. OK, Trump said they executed a warrant at my house. They went through Melania's closet. They broke into my safe. It's really terrible, right? If everybody on the left said, we don't know what's going on, we don't understand what's happening, I think it's fair to say Garland is a measured person. Things are going on there that we don't understand. We're just going to let this play out the way you're talking about, the way you know, the way you, the things you've been saying since this happened but that's not what they did and well, i said garland went also to, went to went to all you know went to went to battle stations and they talked themselves into the idea that trump you know was was about to hang yeah but it was very matter of factual and it wasn't really addressing the left when he spent most of his time and energy on was defending chris ray's honor and the integrity of the fbi that's not coming from the left no, but I mean, what else was he? He was not going to come out and say I mean, that no, suggests no, no. that this whole press conference wasn't inspired by a desire no, no. to no, I'm to not impose caution on, on the left. I'm saying that the mood, the tone, the spirit of this week was actually set by conventional wisdom saying that they had finally gotten Trump. That's what that's what caused this boulder to start rolling down the hill. Now. Abe was watching Fox from the minute that they announced the that Trump announced the raid, and Fox immediately said this was you know an unprecedented coup, whatever. And so the temperature was already very high. I'm not saying that the right played no role in this. The right was primed to play the role that it played, but had it not been for this idea that you know. I mean, again, I, it's the classic analogy of Lucy in the football. Like every single time there's a story about Trump and some thing going on with the law that they just run 90 miles an hour at the football and then the football gets pulled away. I mean, how many times since 2015 has that been the case? I mean, we could literally sit here and enumerate the number of times that Trump was finished. You know, from Access Hollywood to, I mean, I can't even remember how many times. Forget the Steele dossier. Could have been Charlottesville. Could have been, the, they're going to have to invoke the 25th Amendment. Joe Scarborough was saying they should invoke the 25th Amendment at the end of January 2017. I don't even remember for what reason. You know, he was finished. He's finished. He's finished. He's finished. Then he was finished because the election finished him off. And then he was like, I'm not finished, you know, but he was finished like he that there was actually a moment at which his presidency actually came to an end. And it had nothing to do with any of this extra electoral, these extra electoral efforts to nail him before his time was up. 
so I don't know. I, I, I just, you know, I, I think that, that I would not have anticipated that it would be necessary for people on the right to say, you know, in August of 2022, you know, uh, th- there's a coup going on against Donald Trump, who isn't even president anymore. But, you know, you kind of understand the rhetoric or the logic. It's like the political system in the United States and the sort of weird political system in which the executive branch operates as a semi-not political organization can't quit him. He can't quit it. It can't quit him. It's like they're not interested in anything else. You know, just float the word Trump, and then suddenly everyone is just buzzed. It's like, you know, it's like the ex-husband problem or the ex-wife problem, you know? But again, we're prejudging the predicate of this warrant. I, I'm happy don't to know. prejudge the predicate of the warrant as it happens. I have had four that's days the exact of same new- thing we're criticizing the left for doing. No. Here's what I'm saying. I, they did it before there were any news stories. Then the news stories came out to say... He has been mishandling classified information, period. Even the news story yesterday said he's mishandling classified information, but they used the word nuclear. So it's a, oh, nuclear, you know, who, you know, the other, the other, the other, the other tidbit that was circulating was that um, in a couple news stories was that, oh, GOP folks are telling each other. Uh, don't get out ahead of this defending Trump because there's going to be a lot of stuff that's revealed. It, it might be revealed that this is much more serious than they're letting out. You know, there have been these narratives circulating. I mean, other publicly elected officials have mishandled confidential information, most notably Hillary Clinton. And she faced some consequences for that, obviously, uh, mainly at, at the polls, I think. Uh, but this is if this is at that level of mishandled information, then that is partly what is fueling a lot of the rage on the right. Not that that rage is justified. And we're going to get into people actually acting on the on those violent yeah. tendencies, which is horrifying and, and should be condemned by everyone. Um, there is a legitimate concern about the legitimacy of the FBI after the last six years. That needs to be addressed if people are going to be asked to just trust everything that happens at the FBI and at the Justice Department. That's it. We've we've seen time and time again, just like we no longer trust public health experts for the same reason. That trust has to be earned back. I think we should be a lot more cautious about talking about the legitimacy of these institutions. Not that they make mistakes. I'm talking about not the that people. They're unaccountable to the elected representatives. Not no, that they're legit, but people don't see them as conduct. legitimate. There's a well, reason that's their for problem. why they don't see it. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, well, there, but there's a no, there's no, a reason. You can't look at there's what a reason happened. for that. I'm sorry, you can't look at what happened. And three say federal law enforcement is entirely three, legitimate. Three senior officials of the FBI were found essentially to have violated every professional tenet involving their power at an at a at an agency that has the literal power to arrest and to give them the right to shoot people dead like yeah. they, i'm not talking how many about corruption scandals does agent. congress have to have does the house illegitimate maybe the better word is to say they have no. they, they there's a there's a lack of trust it's a trust it's a crisis of trust in those institutions which are themselves legitimate and in as the long sense as there's that they accountability have, they have. and there's investigatory uh organs that conduct their function and inspector generals that operate independently which they do a lot of the people that we're talking about who abused their power or acted perhaps 
not abusively, let's say, but perhaps uh, with political motives, intent, not necessarily corrupted, but but beyond the remit, they're not at the agency anymore. They're on camera, they're on cable news sets. Now, maybe they shouldn't have any career at all, but that doesn't mean the agency that they used to work for hasn't been conducting itself responsibly. No, the agency that they worked for conducted itself responsibly because there was a gigantic national firestorm about the behavior of the FBI. You think that that IG would have gone at Peter Strzok without Peter Strzok becoming a figure who had to be investigated? I don't. And I am not a paranoid who thinks that law enforcement agencies are illegitimate. I just don't think you can look at what happened over the last four years and say, wow, the system really worked. That FISA warrant system, that was great. That really worked the way it was supposed to. And you know what? Senior officials of the FBI did not prejudge Donald Trump and try to get him, you know, any way they could, as they said, while they were texting each other during their affair. Like, that happened. I didn't make it up. They did it. And again, it wasn't like some guy in the Kansas City field office. These were people on whatever is the top floor of the horribly named J. Edgar Hoover building that where the FBI is run. You can't look at this and say the FBI is just great. The FBI is mostly great. I will acknowledge that. It is the political strata. It is the leadership of the FBI that has become compromised or was compromised leadership positions that have then tarnished the reputations of the guy in the Kansas City field office. One of the reasons that this is an outrage is that it calls into question behavior by people who are not implicated in any aspect of the Washington game. And I just don't think you can look at this and say that uh, even if it is cynical and dark that, you know, Republican, extreme Republican members of Congress are going at the FBI the way they're going at the FBI, and I agree with that, that only works because enough people in the country have developed a skepticism about the FBI's behavior that isn't dismissible. Look, when when the news first broke, that the FBI was raiding, whatever, Mar-a-Lago. I said to myself, oh, they, 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 I was one of the, they must have something um, extraordinary. They must have, <clears throat> they must have them dead to rights in some way, shape or form, because there's no way after all the things that uh, John just uh, rehearsed that, that they would go into this with something trumped up and 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 sort of a fishing expedition of any sort and it was only then when the news started trickling out that this had to do with with mishandling of documents presidential archives and i said i i can't believe that this that that's this another may, thing what the this hell may does this have to do with again. archives if we're talking about signals intelligence classified intelligence perhaps in, right. in, pertaining to nuclear weapons. What in the hell does this have to do with the National Archives? China? Yeah, because that's not going to be in the archives. <laughs> yeah, that is a very weird, I yeah. mean, I, we talked about this last yeah. night. Is something very weird going on because presumably that stuff is not stored at the National Archives. I mean, granted, here's what happens. Every piece of paper at the executive office of the president, which is what we, which is the official 
word for which the White House is the kind of term. It's supposed to be boxed up, carted over, and taken to the National Archives. But I cannot imagine that there are signals intelligence in the national maybe i'm wrong maybe they are there i don't know maybe i don't think signals intelligence is supposed to be well stuff generally... is declassified over the course of time but so then, if it's declassified yeah. it can be in the archives right. and you shouldn't be going at trump for mishandling unclassified information but generally speaking uh you know i had very high level security clearance in my very brief time in government i never worked with any major documents, but I could have. I had code word clearance, which is the highest level of clearance as a presidential speechwriter. But had I needed to see something, I would have been taken into a room called a skiff, door would have been closed, I would have been shown a piece of paper to read, and then that piece of paper would have been taken away from me and taken back to Langley or the FBI or something like that. I would not ever have had that piece of paper in my possession. And that's why I'm very, I, they, oh, there's a lot of weird stuff flying around that doesn't really follow. And you know where else that's the case in the world of economics. And that's why I want to talk to you about our friend David Bonson and this amazing free course that he is now offering at Bonson.com. B-A-H-N-S-E-N.com, his website. The Bonson Economics 101 course. Uh, David has, there are 30 lectures that go through the history, the philosophy, and the ideas undergirding uh, contemporary and classical economics. Um, the syllabus is remarkable. The lectures are online. It is entirely free. This is a, you know, comprehensive, gives you a comprehensive chance to really take a hard look at what it is that makes the world go round. Um, it's exciting. Uh, we've had hundreds of commentary listeners already sign up at Bonson.com economics course. Go there now. Sign up. Just put down your name, your email address, and what's, what interests you about this. And you are going to have access to real riches, intellectual policy and logistical riches that will uh, enliven you, that will excite you, and that will teach you things that you really, really need to know in order to manage and, you know, steward your own assets as as you would want them to be stewarded. So Bonson.com, when you see the B at the top of the page on the left-hand side, just move over a little to the center. You will see the words economics course. You click on that. And you are good to go. You're also good to go if you go to Bowling Branch and get yourself some sheets. The best organic cotton threads on earth, 100% for a superior softness and better night's sleep. Thread count is a myth. Thread quality is where it's at. And the Bowling Branch sheets with their just superb thread quality aren't just buttery, breathable, and impossibly soft to start. They get softer with every wash. Highest quality threads on earth, buttery to the touch. You'll immediately feel the difference of their iconic signature seats 
in nine neutral colors in all sizes, from twin up to California king, 100% free of toxins, no pesticides, formaldehyde, or other harsh chemicals, and Bolin brand sheets with the deepest of mattresses and are labeled with top and bottom tags, so making your bed is easier than ever. Best of all, Bolin Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping and returns on all orders. So get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code COMMENTARY at BolinBranch.com. That's B-O-L-L-A-N-D-B-R-A-N-C-H.com. Promo code COMMENTARY. Um, okay, so uh, all kinds of weird stuff has been happening. Let's talk about what happened yesterday. Uh, at the FBI field office in, was it Cincinnati? Am I? Yes. Okay. Please, someone, please, someone uh, take the reins here. Come on. You want Look. me to, I can't do everything. Guy went really... to the, guy went to the FBI. FBI. Yep. That's, that's all I know. <laughs> A guy shot up the FBI. He, he, he may have been posting uh, messages on, on, uh, uh, Trump's uh, uh, social media platform talking about uh, such an attack. Um, police came, he fled, and then they killed him. That's all I know. Isn't that all we know? That's pretty much all we know. But uh, yeah, he apparently, you know, said, if you're looking for me later today, we'll have gone and shot up the FBI. <laughs> right? I mean, and he went with a nail gun, I think. Um so I'm not sure that he actually had, you know, he this was ever going to be anything but a kind of suicide mission or kind of suicide by cop. Um, but it is it is a, an act of violence relating to this, obviously, this Trump, what happened this week. And this is what we've been worried about. Right. He was it, it, the messages he was posting on True Social were calling for violence right after the raid. I mean, this was clearly a response by an unhinged person. But again, this speaks to actually something that we did talk about right at the beginning, which is uh, of this week, which is this when there is abroad in the land, this kind of overheated rhetoric about, you know, we're under siege, that they're coming to get you and and the insane conspiracy theorizing that's going on in a lot of the more extreme uh, dark corners of, of right wing media is very, very bad. This is just bad for the country. It's it's weirdly being salaciously picked over by, you know, media like you know, CNN and stuff to say, see, they are fascist. There's a weird kind of like, look, they're all terrible. They're all they're all going to rise up. There's going to be a civil war, which, of course, fuels their ratings uh, seeking, but is also bad. I mean, this isn't something that we should be uh, celebrating and praising, but it's also something that shouldn't be kind of voyeuristically enjoyed by CNN viewers. So I think there's a real that again, it goes back to that weird symbiotic relationship that the media has long had with Trump and his followers, where they kind of need each other, even though they all hate each other. Um, but the rhetoric has gotten really, really bad. And this is where I'm I'm with Noah when when, you know, at the beginning of the week when he was saying it, particularly this is the moment when political leaders need to step up and say, calm down. You know, what what happens, we're we're seeing a pattern here because what happened with this guy who went to the FBI office in Cincinnati reminded me of the guy who went to um, Justice Gorsuch's, uh, uh, Kavanaugh's house, right? Yeah, the assassin. Um, what guy went right. to assassinate Kavanaugh? Yes, right. Yes, because what happens is the there there's there's reckless, overheated, aggressive, violent rhetoric. 
that 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 takes place on on one side among a whole host of people. And there's some sort of winks and nods to it among among leadership who should know better. And then it takes the fringe fringes, the the sort of lone fringy people on that side to sort of get the get the signal and then go out and be the first to go to go do something. And and that is sort of first and foremost why this is dangerous, because country this size, there's going to be someone out there who takes this to heart, picks up their gun and, and goes on the mission. Yeah, and the nobody response, gets to be surprised by this. Well, and the response, Absolutely. the response One person to gets, the, gets yeah. off on, yeah. no. well, who could have possibly known? You right. all knew. No. You all knew well, when you did it anyway. But the condemnation and the response to, and the, the attention given to what's going on right now on the right is out, it, it compared to what was given to an attempted much, uh, actually a much more uh, uh, dangerous situation where someone was you know near the property of a Supreme Court justice and hoped to kill several of them like that story was mainly on the right the right is what brought that story right right uh leaning media brought that to the attention of the world that was not a story that was given a lot of shrift uh, in, in mainstream media in the way that this story is now i mean look things have gotten very ugly in this country in this sense which is that again it goes to this my favorite crime theory so it is what do you expect? People are angry, right? What do you expect? Of course, they're setting um, a dollar store on fire after George Floyd was killed. They're angry. What do you expect? What do you expect? The FBI misbehaves. Someone's going to go and, you know, what do you expect? You, as long as the crime is something that you're angry about, there is some weird propensity on the part of actually oddly enough sort of intellectually minded people more than sort of you know gut instinct minded people to say well this is just a natural outgrowth of a human emotion and you know uh the, the, somebody you know it, that's why you really shouldn't misbehave because you're going to trigger one of these people to do what do you expect if right, you're righteous have anger a, righteous yeah, anger or yeah. not even righteous anger just <laughs> anger and anger is a justifiable you know, and the acting out of anger in criminal and murderous fashion is then taken to be a kind of, I mean, it's really unfortunate, but, you know, there's something kind of proper about it. It's like what, what, what you would expect, you know, it's, it's what you, it's what people are like, you know, or it's something like that. And, and everybody has it. So, you know, uh, there's going to be a lot of talk about this Trump's responsibility for somehow triggering this guy, shoot up the FBI. And oh, I don't think I it's say, Trump's responsibility. I right, think it's, it's the responsibility not. of everybody in the conservative media class who has been saying the institutions of our country are illegitimate. They're out to get you. If they can get this guy, they can get you, uh, which I frankly is a, a brief digression. I resent greatly because I am nothing like this guy. I would not find myself in the many positions he has found himself in before courts, before judges, before Congress. Just everybody's out to get him. And yet nobody seems to really consider the extent to which he invites this conduct on himself by so often brazenly flirting with corruption, misconduct. I'm not saying illegality. I'm saying misconduct. 
Um, yeah, I've not found, found myself before a judge as many times as he has. Part of the reason why is because I conduct myself and comport myself in ways that don't run afoul of the law or skirt the law. I am not persecuted. I don't believe he's being persecuted. But the many people on the right who have decided that this is an opportunity to advance their political interests by attacking the foundational legitimacy of our institutions is precisely what precipitated January 6th. And we know it can happen again. And we're not acting like it can happen again. That's reckless and irresponsible on their part. Look, the recklessness and irresponsibility of Trump was on display, you know, in, I don't know, March of 2016, when, if you remember, he would say things like there would be protesters at his rallies and he would suggest to the crowd that they should beat the protester up and that he would pay for the bail. Like that was something that had never really happened before in American life. That sort of like assertion of, um, I will even say it like this, toxic masculinity in some ultimate sense. Like you go not, you know, knock the hell out of them. I'll pay for your bail. That stuff changed the tenor of everything. I think the, you know, like the demonstrations against his just simply having a rally and stuff like that. I remember in Chicago, you know, there was a kind of riot to prevent him from having a rally in Chicago, that stuff. I mean, everybody lost it in this in this regard. Um, but Noah, you're 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 right that you know the implication that you know he he is you know his own personal conduct with his finances and his the game playing that he does and the way he talks about things that somehow that implicates uh, people who are nominally on his side is really bad. On the other hand you can be you can be a bad person and be persecuted like you can be a bad president and have and have the other side come at you in an unjust or unfair way now maybe it's tit for tat he deserves it he doesn't why should he get special treatment and not be whatever i understand that but um there is and you know i there is a world in which uh a you know what eric swalwell and adam schiff say about him constitutes a form of persecution they're not as powerful as he is so they can't you know they're not they're not bringing a a a larger amount of power to bear on him than he can do then so maybe that's not really persecution but you know Things were said about him that were not true. People accused him of being a Russian agent. That was not true. People accused him of sexual peccadilloes and um, porn-like misbehavior uh, for which there is absolutely no evidence. And they did it for years and they talked about it on TV and all of that. That's not, you know, I mean, he that isn't not persecution. I mean, I'm not quite sure what it is. It's slander, it's defamation or something like that. And again, like he's in no, he's in no moral position to complain about slander and defamation since he does it to other people all the time, but it did happen to him and the people who like him don't like it. And they, they consider it persecution. And it's some, it's something, I don't know what particularly to make of it. Let's, let's bet. But it's not karma. It's not karma. That's well, you just said when he, he does this thing all the time, and then people do it to him. So I mean, it's not but no, but justified. Karma, in a sort karma of a, is the universe. In a just nature. 
yeah. of the but in okay. a as that as you know the universal forces <laughs> yes you bro we put out into the universe what you get back from it no not but to say it's right or just no but obviously. karma is like if you're hit by lightning not if somebody else attacks you like that's not karma but um uh let's move because christine mentioned uh anthony fauci and this astounding jaw-dropping thing he said about how people are now going to medical school because they call it the Fauci effect because it's not really him they don't really care about him but they care about truth and science and he is truth and science or something like that first of all as I understand it um uh a lot of people aren't going to medical school so I don't know what the hell he's talking about that's actually not true that there's been some wild increase in the number of people in medical school and second of all go blow you pompous octogenarian asshole walking around talking this way about yourself who talks this way about themselves it's loathsome someone high on his own supply that's who which i mean i don't even i now. can't even i can't even fathom the the vanity level that that is caused by being able to say they call it the fauci effect because i am science and truth like you want to talk about somebody who is risking karmic, you know, risking a karmic response? There it is. And it comes on the day, came on the day, as far as I can tell, that the CDC finally relented and said, you know what? Our guidance is crap. You know that guidance you've been following for a year? We're lifting it. Guess what? They're lifting it in the middle of a resurgence of the pandemic. You know why? Because it's crap. It was always crap. Testing asymptomatic people is crap. Telling people who are in proximity to people who had COVID, who have already been vaccinated, that they should still quarantine was crap. Uh, the only thing that remains as part of the crap, as far as I can tell, is if you test positive or you blah, 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 then you should wear a high quality mask for 10 days and get tested on the fifth day. Okay, so fair enough. My dad got COVID. I wore a high quality mask around him. He got tested on the fifth day and he was clear and all of that. Like that's fine, but that is all as it should be a matter of individual choice once you have been vaccinated. Now the question is this. So the CDC has finally relented. They could have done this in January. They could have done this in February. They could have done this. I don't know when. So they did this now because the school system, the school year is starting and clearly, um, even though they don't follow politics or anything like that, they know that there is going there were going to be fireworks all over the country if you know if if there was this kind of public guidance that was against what school systems wanted to do. Nonetheless, I am not clear what the consequences of this are going to be in deep blue places like where I live. Right now. Eric Adams, the mayor, hasn't announced that, you know, the mask mandate is now dropped on the subway system. But what science is he using to say that the mask mandate should still be in place on public transportation? Christine, you've said that charter schools in D.C., well, we'll see what happens now, have said you are, you are going to have to be masked or vaccinated or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, their parents okay. still fighting with their charter boards right now, like the in the weeks leading up to, you know, when school uh, when kids return to school just before Labor Day. And they're very worried about it. That charters have a lot of leeway to make their own set their own policies. Mm -hmm. DCPS has just sent out an email requiring all 
public school students to take a COVID test to come back to school. They're still doing tests to return with no, I mean, the wastefulness, just if you have kids who are asymptomatic and vaccinated, like why should everybody test to return? I mean, it's a joke. They don't even really verify. You can basically upload an image that you found online rather than take a COVID test. So they're still doing that. Maybe it's just to satisfy the last bit of, you know, uh, forever COVID folks. But you know, when when flu season hits this fall, and if there's any sort of spike or variant, um, we're going to be right back where we started. And I do think it's really important for parents to make sure they are right now speaking to people at their schools, particularly in public schools, about what their expectations are. And first and foremost, that their kids should not have to be masked for eight hours a day, that they need to follow CDC protocols, which weirdly in DC, at least these charter schools are saying that they have a they're not going to follow those protocols. It's very Meanwhile, strange. we have a national emergency around monkeypox. Yes. Well, the city of San Francisco is producing documents that say maybe you should limit your sexual partners to maybe just the people you know at piggy parties. This is a city document. The hypocrisy, well, talk about hypocrisy. That hypocrisy is real and astounding. Right. You're not allowed to actually discuss the high risk groups as long and as the you, high yeah. risk activity because it's, you don't it want to violate EID. Right. Um, I would like to uh, read off to you the stats uh, provided by the Centers for Disease. Okay, so we're now also have to talk about um, vaccination mandates, right? Because they're good, they're still in place in a lot of places. Okay, so let's just talk about kids because we can't adults is a whole other thing. Twenty to twenty-two, all sexes, age groups zero to seventeen. All deaths involving COVID-19, 1,201. All sexes, all ages, 1,031,144. Note that I said all deaths involving COVID. This does not say these deaths are due to COVID. The verb or the gerund in question is involving so we don't even know if COVID is the cause of these 1,201 deaths out of the 88,000, 87,979 deaths in the United States between the years 2020 and 2022 of Americans between the ages of zero and 17. Guess how many deaths involved pneumonia? 1,813, that's 600 more than the deaths involving COVID, okay? We have done incomparable damage to young Americans who are not at risk of this disease. Until you can prove to me that tens of thousands of their lives were saved by the measures and protocols that were taken. I don't know how you prove that, but um, you know there are statisticians and epidemiologists who can play this game. Everything that we did to them was an infamous monstrosity, and this is one of the reasons that we really do need to do serious investigations uh, of the COVID period uh, at the congressional level, not just of spending, but of how decisions were made at the CDC, how these public health decisions were gotten to what the, what, you know, whose ox was being gored and whose uh, policies were being upheld and all of that. 
because this is just the more you look at it the more horrifying it is uh, it it's just you know for some reason god decided to spare young people in this pandemic it's the first pandemic in world history as far as i can tell of which that is the case that young people were vastly less likely to die of a of a of a of a contagion than older people certainly the horrible things of the 20th century that we've known about including the spanish flu and polio and stuff like that those were all those all hit compromised young people's compromised immune systems much harder than they hit older people and that was not the case here and we acted as though it was and there are still people in this country who pay no attention to anything except their own anxieties who are still imagining that they are uniquely at risk, that their kids are uniquely at risk, or that they, as people who handle or deal with kids on a daily basis, like unionized educators, seem to think that they are being placed uniquely at risk by these kids who are not at risk and who are not risk-bearing to anybody else. Could, we should add in the, in the annals of obnoxious, narcissistic, uh, incompetent uh, uh, public figures that Randy Weingarten, the head of the American Federation of Teachers, also did a big interview this week where she was just lamenting all the all the challenges these kids face after all you know a couple of years of disruption from COVID. The woman who single handedly ensured that teachers would not return and the fear mongering and the blatant lies she told about the risks to children, all in service to a you know, an organization that gives 99% of its money to elect Democrats and who's in, you know, has Joe Biden in her right pocket. It's it's astonishing. And so and she was called out on social media for it. But this person still runs the largest teachers union in the country and, and should was never held accountable and will bring back the same fear mongering if it suits her constituents and her bottom line for her organization in the fall. I would just say that, you know, uh, we, we talk a lot about how Republicans take over the House. Uh, they're going to, you know, they're going to do a lot of investigating. And some of it will simply be sort of like political investigating of Hunter or Biden or whatever, and will be conducted in a probably irresponsible demagogic way that will be embarrassing to a lot of us and all of that. But honest to God, you know, if they could just take on covid and the covid regime in the right way and do the kind of investigating that needs to be done rather than allowing the the people who did this to memory hold their behavior and to somehow send it down a you know a, a path where they are not held accountable for the decisions that they made just as they would have been lionized for the decisions they made if they were as they were sort of i would say um uh uh, prematurely lionized for everything that they did you know we need to know and this is a real opportunity they may well, not get that so long i'm sorry yeah. to inter interject here yeah. but there's <clears throat> like investigations are retrospective right and nobody has any interest in that anymore it's like everybody's trying to trying to position for the next narrative not to have accountability for the for the last one and, and that actually does create New news cycles. Retrospection does actually move the ball forward, but well, if it's we know not that addressing the the yeah. whatever is moving the needle at this particular moment, whatever's whatever everybody's chit chatting about on the social media sites, it doesn't actually interest people who are engaged in this sort of activity 
in Congress and congressional panels. You're, you're, it's backward looking. By Some definition. of it does. We're backward looking at January 6th. We got a giant investigation. They're they're Fair suspending primetime programming That's to look true, into but it's... one day in the three months that preceded it. So, but you can't I get away know, from no. the future of the president's political career. Well, there you go. When you're doing that, when it, that investigation right. true. So it's yeah. all. Maybe yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's a good data point, but there is an element of future forward looking to that as well. I don't know. We look mm-hmm. back at Ben God. We're supposed to look back. That's what investigation you get used to. Well, but the, but as long as it has a, a, yeah. a forward looking element to it and who's going to be interested in imposing accountability. Oh, I don't know. The, the, forward, looking, the forward looking element is what laws need to be written to restrict the ability of unelected officials who live in Atlanta from imposing rent rent controls on the and 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 rent moratoria on the United States should that be allowed to continue should Rochelle Walensky be able to tell a landlord she can't Well I can tell you what the rent? problem was with that that was an overbroad act of congress that the Supreme I know. Court had to interpret it as being too overbroad I know, but that's what I'm saying. That's one of the things investigations are supposed to do is create conditions under which new pieces of reformist legislation are written to create to to correct mistakes that previous pieces of legislation caused. Um, that's one of the reasons you do that is not just to like you know find people and punish them, but to redirect our legislative path. Anyway. Uh, thank you all for listening. Again, go to commentary.org/roast to get your tickets to the Barry Weiss Roast Commentary Annual Event November 13th here in New York City. We'll be back on Monday. For Abe, Christine, and Noah, I'm John Podhoritz. Keep the candle burning.